Seba, the Southern Pride Witch, and this is episode 51 of season two, and I'm sick. Sorry. And it's not COVID. Um, It's a sinus infection. I've pushed myself to my very limit, and I'm paying for it. (laughs) And that's what happens when you get a little bit older. We had a wonderful Samhain. Lots of fire, and I've gotten to the point where I will get a serious sinus infection from hanging around a campfire. It's my favorite thing to do. So it's a negotiation (laughs) Uh, with amoxicillin. That's what it's a negotiation with. At any rate, it put me in a position to not be able to clean up a lot of things in the garden. And that's actually a good thing. To some extent, anyway. A lot of things in our garden got out of hand this past year, as you all know. And there's a lot of things I do need to actually clean up to be able to walk around. And there's a lot I need to leave the hell alone if I want everything out there that matters to the ecosystem and matters to my beautiful little habitat out here. If I want them to live and be healthy. I need to leave a lot of stuff alone, and I wanted to talk to y'all about that while I'm over here struggling with this sinus infection. Hey, how are y'all? I'm holding on by a thread. Let's chat. I don't want to let y'all down. I don't want to miss a Sunday. I've been told over and over it's okay to skip one, and um, that's not my nature. I probably will try to come back from the dead. And do one of these one day. Y'all be prepared for it. Anyway, I tell y'all how I know I need to podcast on the subject. It's usually when something goes on around here with somebody I know and I realize they don't know something or I just want to speak to it. Now, I know I have trained my partner better than this. He does know I know he does not to remove all of the leaves in the fall. However, this last weekend, I heard the blower going. Now, we already argued earlier in the year about mulching the leaves, which is way worse, by the way. Much worse. But when I heard this blower going, I I guess I might have um, forgot myself a little. It just flies all over me. The responsibility, I think, that we have, especially at this time of the year, to just not mess with stuff. See, it's not a lot of work. It's more of a don't mess it up. It's already in place. It's what it's supposed to be. And we come along and screw up a lot of stuff. Y'all know how we are. Humans are the worst, right? So I think I just want to talk about it today. I want to talk about our responsibility as pagans, witches, humans that are causing so much destruction. Some of the stuff we can do, especially right now, 
don't know what your area is like, but down here we're in, um, well, we're in Alabama, so we are in pretend roller coaster fall where it gets down to like 33, 34 degrees and then skyrockets back up to 80. <laughs> and then you got to cover all this stuff and then you got to uncover it. And that goes on about two months. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, whether you've already missed it or whether or not it's happening right now, let's talk about that responsibility just a little bit. Because I'm sorry, without nature for me, there is no magic. I don't want to dive into that and defend it and explain it, but that's where I stand. So let's just start with that really, I guess, generic thing of please leave your leaves on the ground. Do not tussle with the leaves. Oh, God. Or if you have to. If you live somewhere where you get a fine, if you do not do something about your leaves, pile them up around things, you know, around trees, around woodlines, somewhere where it can still be utilized for what it's meant to be, which is, by the way, eventually soil. Mm -hmm. Only human beings would remove the most beautiful thing. That could make nitrogen and rich organic matter, you know, soil. Remove all that and then run our ass over to Lowe's in the spring and pay all those prices to get it back. Only humans. All right, so if you have to, absolutely have to, and I mean like someone is making you do something with your leaves, you want to rake them, not mulch them. And I know that feels completely counterintuitive, doesn't it? Well, the reason is because there's a lot living under your leaves. And when you're mulching those, well, first of all, you're just probably ripping to pieces all kinds of things that would break your heart if you thought about it. But also, all these little creepy crawly creatures that we love so much, pollinators included, the bigger the leaf that is over them, the more support they're going to have for winter. It's just true. If you were going to do something like that, you would do it more in the spring, honestly. But definitely not in the fall. They need big leaves to hide under. I mean, my wood frogs. Do you really want to chop up a wood frog, y'all? Just don't if you don't have to. But if you do, this is the best way to do it. Let me tell you what all's under there. I know you've heard it. You could probably Google it. It's not that hard, but definitely bees, native bees, bumblebees, spiders of all kind. And I reckon some of us don't like them. I happen to adore them. Butterflies, moths. And by the way, for example, the Luna, how beautiful is that? And the Swallowtail, they actually disguise their cocoons and chrysalises as dried leaves. And so what you might think is a leaf out there could very well be the thing that is going to ensure that they emerge in the spring. Now that's kind of sad when you think about it, isn't it? Sadly, most um, master gardeners and anyone who's helping you garden and get your farm together these days, they're going to tell you to remove almost everything from your garden, all organic matter, 
And I get why, especially if there was like um, mold or viruses or certain pests in your garden. Yeah, that does need to be removed. You don't want them to just be reborn or continue infecting all of the foliage there. That makes complete sense. However, in your front yard, in your side yard, in your backyard, and all of the spaces, y'all, where you had flowers or some such, to remove all of that often means that you're removing the poopa of so many wonderful things. Specifically, butterfly. <laughs> and one of the things I would tell somebody to do is if you really don't want those dead stalks standing up, you know, then go ahead and cut them. And then gently lay them down because that will give those butterflies an opportunity to still emerge in the spring. There's no need to throw so much away and burn so much. We got to get a little bit more generous with our habitat than that. Another thing I've heard and I've heard it over and over and I've heard it from extension offices and professionals. Ugh. And that is to remove old bird nest. Get rid of them. And mostly that would be due to the fact that most birds do not, at least ones that are not of prey, do not reuse those things. However, hummingbirds, swifts, and swallows do reuse them. A hummingbird will keep on adding to their little nest, which means that, you know, the undercarriage there gets nice and firm and solid and secure for them. It's just asking them to do more work if you take those down. And in nature, they wouldn't be removed. They would be left. And in the winter, a lot of times these little habitats, they have all kinds of other things living in them, honey. From chipmunks to squirrels to who knows what. So don't remove them. Why are you doing that? That doesn't even make any sense. It may not be that pretty, but it will degrade and you might as well leave it where it sits. I think it would be horrible to take something like that away, especially from like a hummingbird. Not a great idea. Leave nature alone. Y'all know one of the coolest ideas I saw was um, for somebody who didn't want to take down their flower stalks for the season and didn't want to blow away all their leaves and just sort of left a really nice pretty patch of that and then put a little white picket fence around it and signs so that when people walk by uh, this was in town but it was so cool there was educational information there about why it was important about why it was important for the butterflies, why it was important for the frogs, why it was important for anything, including, you know, bumblebees that may tunnel down only an inch to two inches underneath the dirt and really do need that land cover, that beautiful leaf cover. And so it worked out, you know, and maybe they'd go home and think about it for their own yards. So hell, if you have nothing else you can do, honey, make a display. <laughs> Make it look on purpose, because it kind of is. Also, now, I know y'all might get tired of me loving on spiders. I do a lot of spider magic, by the way, so it makes sense, doesn't it? But our orb weavers are very important to us. 
our garden ones, our beautiful golden orb ones, our barn spider ones. They mean something to us. And a lot of mine have decided to um, put up in the hot tunnel, which is brilliant of them. Now, most of them have passed away. We found one living the other day um, because, of course, this weather is like a little back and forth. But most of them have already spun their beautiful egg sacs and, and moved on. What is intriguing to me about this method, this uh, kind of a permaculture witch method to farming, is that the spotters have noticed. Call me crazy. Definitely call me a witch while you're doing it, though. The spotters have noticed. The, we, gosh, we now have three generations of egg sacs next to each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I, I reckon after this year, there'll be four. Ever since we put up that hot tunnel, they go, somebody, some sweet girl goes back up there and says, this was my egg sac and I'm going to spend my children's egg sac right here. <laughs> and so some of them are getting really, really old and torn and tattered and have definitely turned brown. And then, of course, the new ones are beautiful and white. But, um, honey, that's trust in their environment, isn't it? They know they can do it. They know nobody's going to tear it down. They know that they're going to be safe. Now, we still have all those beautiful orb weavers out in our woods, too. And they're going to attach that sack underneath a really heavy branch, sometimes down in the brush a little bit. And I don't want to disturb that. We need these things in our environment. And I specifically rely on spiders for my own expression of magic. When I say that, I want to be really, really clear. Some of y'all wouldn't be able to stay at my house. You <laughs> wouldn't be able to. Now, I do have my foot put down. I'm sincerely, frustratingly solid about my bedroom. Uh-uh. No, I want to sleep without you landing on my head. So no, they can't be there, but they can be in the laundry room. They can be in the shower. They can be in the, we call it the blue room. It's the haunted room. And I have no interest in tearing down their webs. They're house spiders after all, honey. They're tiny little things with spindly legs, and they only want to eat any little moth that runs through. Now, if you ever get an orb weaver in your house, though, I highly encourage you to move it out if you can very gently, very carefully move it out. We had to do this, um, gosh, about two weeks ago because one, it felt so welcome, <laughs> so very welcome that she came on in and just made her a big old beautiful thing right there in front of my front door on the inside of it. <sighs> Bless it. Now, why wouldn't I leave it there? Because y'all know I love spiders. It couldn't be because I was afraid of them. So why wouldn't I leave it there? Because there's no food. There's no food in here. She ain't going to eat potato chips. So my son gently relocated her to the front porch, Eve. Within eight hours, she had set up and done the most beautiful web I've ever seen. So she's fine. And he was so concerned about her. But with the weather suddenly dipping the way it did, that he went out and found her some flies and <laughs> threw them into her web very succinctly. 
and they're all wrapped up real cute and she's alive today. But I did allow a Norweaver to live in my house once and she died, or rather she starved. And that's just a horrible state of affairs. And just real quick while I've got y'all cringing, because I realize that the world has taught at least three-fourths of all of us, including witches, to be terrified of spiders. And bless y'all's heart. I do want to make one little point about, uh, especially orb weavers, if that's all right. And that is this. I've never seen an orb weaver jump off or web to jump on a human being. Now, I've seen a human being, including myself, walk through a web, not knowing it was there, and have a spider run down my arm and jump on a tree limb. And even as much as I love them, I still let out a scream. It's still shocking to me. But they're not interested in getting off their web, honey. They're really not. Now, they'll shake that web at you, and that's defensive. They're bouncing their web to get you to back off and most likely unless you grab them they're not gonna bite you they're not gonna jump on your face or any of that damn nonsense we saw in arachnophobia the only time they'll jump off their web is if they think they have to and usually that'll be to go to the ground hide out wait come back to that spot so if y'all could just not kill them that'd be real nice there is so much magic to a weaver And as y'all remember, I'm calling November Weaver November. And I guess I'm starting here because I can't imagine anything more beautifully magic than an orb weaver. And if you're lucky enough to have one who decided to live on your property, you might want to work with them, which is, which I reckon brings me around to discussing witchcraft and nurturing your habitat. You know, just for fun and shits and giggles, before I did this podcast, you know, being sick, I thought, well, let me go and look online and see if anything kind of sparks my interest about magic and habitats. And you don't want to do that. What I found were all these spells that would um, control the environment, use the environment. I kept on running into these kinds of words. You can use a spider's web to do X, Y, Z, or anything of that ilk. All of that turns my stomach. It's antithetical to any kind of craft I would actually do. There is no way I'm going to do that without permission. Mm -mm. I'm not really quite sure how to put this, but how could I expect to do grandmother spider magic? which both helps protect my home, keeps um, my grandchild safe, looks into the centuries. I mean, it's powerful stuff. How could I do that if I wasn't protecting those exacts? How could I do that if I were knocking them to the ground when I felt fear? I couldn't, could I? Uh Uh-uh. And when I'm studying up to go into the winter, which will, I promise you, eventually hit Alabama. How can I ask the spirits of the land, you know, the trees? How, how could I do that if I were, say, not respecting my squirrels? <laughs> I'm serious, though. I have shiitake 
logs and they are just covered in mushrooms most of the time. Last week, I was just too exhausted to get to them. And if I don't get to them, guess what? (laughs) My little friends will come down and take their bite. They will. They will have the best lunch. And I have no idea if that's healthy form or not healthy form. (laughs) But I've got a lot of things living off these mushrooms. And it's okay to allow that sometimes. But the funniest thing I saw was last fall. You know, we pre-drilled all these holes and put in the mycelium and did what we had to do. And uh, we've enjoyed so many mushrooms from it. Y'all, we might have spent $38, but let me tell you, we've got shiitake mushroom for days. Anyway, (laughs) I went out there. It was fall and I went out there and um, was just checking out my, this is not this year. This was last year. Checking out, well, it's already started, but anyway, checking out all my logs and I was a little bit worried because there was a deep freeze coming and I didn't know whether or not to cover them up with a a tarp or something. (laughs) Some squirrel had shoved nuts in those holes. (laughs) It's almost brought me to tears. It's so funny. There's little tiny, I'm sorry. (laughs) There's little tiny nuts shoved in all these holes. Oh my God. For winter. And you know, at first, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, is this going to hurt my mycelium? No, it probably protects it, right? It probably does. And these sweet little squirrels think I have built them <laughs> a storage shed. <laughs> it's about the most adorable damn thing I've ever seen. And how could I ask the woods and the creatures of the woods and the spirits of the woods to stand beside me in a dark night? to teach me anything, or to guard my magic in any way, or my home and my well-being, if I didn't allow that to go on. That's just sacrifice, baby. (laughs) And it's not even that much. It's not even that much of a sacrifice. It's adorable. And I've heard, I've heard, well, I don't have that much land, so I can't pull off what you're pulling off and I will tell you right now honey bunny that's not true I'm not gonna call it bullshit because I don't know if you have extra strictures but just so everybody in the world knows we live on 1.29 acres we have a tiny woods we have a beautifully functioning well we have natural pollinators squirrels frogs turtles fox hawk Let's see what else. Uh, Buzzards. (laughs) Coyote that run through sometimes, although they're not very welcome right now. We have rabbits, wild ones. We also have the ones that are very protected. Butterflies, swallowtails, luna moths, raccoons, chipmunks, and a whole array of snakes that I will defend. It's um, Pagan Eden over here. And all I had to do was start working with the land and stop trying to control it and colonize it. Get over some of my fear, educate myself a little bit, quit using pesticides and insecticides. Sorry, y'all. Mm-mm. Threw away all that shit. That ain't over here. We want to bleach something, it leaves the property. 
And I'm not that hippie-tastic. Have y'all seen me? I wear lipstick. Cruelty-free, but I wear it. I'm just saying, you know, honey, you can do it. Now, we did decide not to do honeybees. And let me tell you why. We have all these neighbors. We have so many folk out here that are raising honeybees and they're doing a damn fine job of it. They need support. We don't need to be all inclusive over here. They need support. But what we did find out is that a honeybee population will go to war, compete with whatever you want to say, with your native bees. And I wasn't going to have it. I just wasn't going to have it. Not when I can get honey and it's right down the road and damn fine stuff. I wanted to keep my native pollinators here. You do have to make those choices sometimes. And they're not always in your best interest. Sometimes they're in nature's best interest. And we do need to care about that, y'all. So if the only thing you do this year is just stop blowing your leaves away, just leave them if it's possible. And if it's not possible, pile them up real deep on a property line somewhere. Try to make it look like mulch. If that's all you do this year, then you are putting in your part with nature. You're doing something very witchy, honey. Consider doing it, please. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to them. And it means a lot to the earth. Alrighty. I'm going to read a letter that was sent to me for Weaver November. We're going to start with a short story. Very, very short indeed. And this is from Lucy from Small Town, North Carolina. And she says, you've been asking for folks to write in and tell you what they're crafting. I've been working on wreaths of all kinds. The wild muscadine vines that run along my property were a little out of control. Oh, honey. (laughs) Yeah, Alabama too. Anyway, so I've cut them back and turned them into grapevine wreaths. I don't know if you'd approve or not, but that's what I'm currently crafting. Why would I not approve of that? That is audacious, baby. I love that idea. You know, yeah, they can be a little invasive. I mean, they're making us muscadine wine, so who's going to complain too much? But I love this idea. How lovely. And what a wonderful November thing to do. So, yes. The rest of this letter is just to me. So, gonna keep it. And I have another letter. This one is also from North Carolina. So, what's up, North Carolina? This is what she says. I believe it is a she. Y'all be sure to let me know that. Here we go. Hard to believe I've never written to you. I'll chalk that up to being intimidated. This is going to be a long and rambly one, so get ready. We're going to jump right to the crafty stuff. Now, I'm a Gemini, and there isn't a craft I haven't tried, Seba. I paint, do photography, sew quilts, clothes, and bags. I bake, do candle making, woodworking, pyrography, flower pounding, and any little thing I can try. There is magic in making. Something about taking your will and making an object. It makes your magic visible, undeniable, permanent. P. 
People will see me wearing a new crystal sachet or carrying a new purse and joke, Did you make that too? Why, yes, I did. I've tried to give people copies of my recipe cards so they stop asking me to bake for them. No one wants the recipes. The comment is always, it'll never taste the same. And I suppose they're right. There is magic in it all. Now I get to incorporate this making and magic in my parenting, and it is such a joy. Anybody who tells you they aren't creative is wrong. Everyone has it in them. Everyone has stuff to say. Whatever you make and however it turns out is the way it's meant to be. So I would like to encourage everybody to get out there, set an intention and make a wand, make a ward, sew an altar cloth. It's beautiful. I promise. Anyway, I would just like to say thank you very much for your podcast and your bravery and your time. Your voice is like a warm hug from a mama I never had. I feel like you're rooting for every one of your listeners, and I want to make sure you know we are rooting for you too. Damn. Y'all get to me sometimes. Your witchifying of every damn thing is a beautiful gift. Anyone sad enough to not love that about you can go on somewhere. (laughs) Process of elimination. This is beautiful. Oh, and you had my podcast pause while you were writing this, and you were making bread rolls. Thank you so much, honey. Love you like chickens, too. I love that, that we're talking about being a mama, being a witch mama, especially as crafting. Hell yeah, that's crafting, girl. And there is weaving there, too. I know that when I told my baby stories, I was weaving something for them. Something that would keep them warm and safe. Something that would bless them as they slept. Our family stories had weaving in them as well. So that they would remember certain things. Because at the end of the day, weaving is just an act of creation. But for me, it usually means interlacing, intertwining, sewing myself into where I am. Into the fabric of my life. Rather than just experiencing it as some kind of secondhand muggle. So as we enter this weaving November, let's think about the ways we're doing that. For me, that would mean automatically that I want to be woven into the ecology outside my door. This habitat, this um, forest, this wonderful place, this magical place that I practice, that I stand upon, that I eat from, get nourishment from, I want to be woven in. Whether that be telling the stories or helping create safe spaces for the living things that I I would hope I would see next year. And so how I understand weaving as a magical practice is not to capture a moment in time and leave an artifact behind of me or my life, but rather to become a, a part of it. To interlace myself, if you will, in the magic of everything that's happening around me. And again, (laughs) that's witchifying every damn thing. Y'all know that Christian sensibility, at least the one I knew growing up in, in Alabama, of refusing all pride in your work and in of yourself, that doesn't hold water with me. Whatever. You know, that does not hold water. 
to me, when I hold my grandma's afghan that she wove for me, she's still here. She wove herself into a moment as I had from my 60s. She wove herself into a moment that would be wrapped around her grandbaby. Why would we not want to do that? And bat children, it's just a, a shift of your perspective to get what I'm trying to say. The smallest shift, and it would suddenly matter to all kinds of things. But if you saw yourself as a valuable part of things, if, if you embedded and interlaced yourself into the now in some beautiful way that could become part of the tapestry of a larger story, if you were to do that, you would suddenly care about so much more. So I do see the resistance. <laughs> I do. But every time I pick up this microphone, I'm weaving myself into this moment. And to wherever you are. And you're weaving right back. That's what it's all about for me at the end of the day. Spider magic. There's so much wonderful stuff there. So much. But the most important thing is to leave a bit of myself here. And not in a way that's uh, self-aggrandizing or egotistical. That's not what really matters. What matters is who did I snuggle up against in my thread? <laughs> and how do we all come together to become something beautiful? So it's fine if all I'm snuggling up against, if all I'm sewing myself into is the life of squirrels and butterflies <laughs> and trees and frogs and snakes and spiders. That's all right. We were here and it mattered. And what we wove together, it was magical. It really was. So consider the ways that you are weaving yourself into your magic. Because it does matter very much what you're leaving behind, honey. It does all right, I need to do some shout outs. I hope my little love letter to my garden and my farm made sense to you. And please don't blow away your leaves. Thank you. <laughs> You've got too many folk depending on you. And I do consider frogs and snakes folk. So although snakes don't really depend on it, but they sure do depend on it for their food later. Give it a thought. All right, for my bat children that have joined Patreon recently, the only folks keeping this thing on the air, and I don't know why you do it, but y'all, I think about you every day. Thank you so much. And that would be Eva and Beth and Emily, Donalyn, CJ, and just to be really sure, Danny, Kelly, and Miss Catherine. If I miss anybody, if I ever miss anybody, just remind my old butt. I tell you what, I'm trying to keep a log on this. Y'all mean so much to me. And don't y'all forget, if you join the Patreon, you can join our Facebook and we are a tight group. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun over there. It's become like family. It really has. Now, next time we talk, I'm going to be doing interviews pretty much for the rest of the month. And I'm really excited about these. Next week, we're going to have Haxon Wolf, who does beautiful work with jewelry, and Hackraft Farm, who is a delightful weaver of capes. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth. Hope your song was wonderful. 
If there's still some crunchy leaves in your yard. Love y'all like chicken. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.